Well, good morning. Yeah, welcome to Harvest Glasgow this morning. So great to have you here. My name's Scott. I'm the pastor of the church here. On your way in, you should have got uh, one of these. If you don't have one, if you put your hand up in the air, one of our stewards will get one to you. Um, that's pretty good work, stewards. Only one to give out. That was a great work. Thank you. For, thankful for the work you guys all do in our church family. Um, if, you want to, if you want to grab your Bibles and turn to Hebrews 4 and grab your booklets and turn to the thing that st- starts with preaching that takes God at His Word. So a couple of pages, a few pages in, um, you'll be in the right place for both uh, our Bible reading and for the notes and so on that you'll be able to find uh, there uh, to, to accompany the sermon this morning. So uh, we are starting a new series called Rooted, uh, Rooted, and it's about the things that are important are the priorities of our church family here. So if you're new to our church, um, welcome. This will give you a good opportunity to hear a little bit about the things that are important to us. If you've been here for a while, hopefully this will be a timely reminder to help gather us back around about the mission of our church together and what we're really about and what the, uh, what are, what the things that are most important to us are as we lean into the things of the Lord uh, together. Um, so that all of that said, uh, hopefully you find your way to Hebrews chapter 4. Before we are picking up all the foundational priorities of the things you find in, see in the walls round about you. Um, so this morning we're starting over here. Um, and we look over here, uh, preaching that takes God at His Word. That's what we're going to look at uh, this morning to start us off, okay? Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13 are the verses we've attached to um, this foundational priority of Harvest Glasgow. This is what God's Word has to say to us this morning. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So let me pray, and then we'll think about these things together. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful to you for this morning, for what we've been able to sing about your promises and about the person of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And um, and to be able to celebrate those things, to, to understand as we lift our eyes to you, you're a red, a, an ever-present help for us, that we can turn to you in all things. And so we turn to you just now, and we ask you would help us as we open your word. Help us as a church family to gather around about these priorities and lean into them further. Help us as individuals to lean into your word and ha- take from it whatever you would have for us this morning as your spirit applies it to our life. So Father, we pray you for your help in all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So a few ground rules to start, things to know about preaching and the preacher, okay? Some ground rules to understanding the dynamic, something of the dynamic that happens here. Um, Some things just to um, get our head around before we start. I just noticed some things, just in some reflections on preaching from me as I preach. I I, I think I'm 15 years as a pastor this year, uh, which is crazy to me in so many ways. Uh, That was a great spot for no way. Let's try that. Let's try again. 15 years as a pastor this year. No way there. Thank you. That was good. I like that. Thank you. Um, here's, some, here's some things to understand. I need, I, need, I need what I'm preaching about. I need what I'm preaching as much, if not more, than you do. I have no wisdom of any value to offer you that exceeds what you will find in this book. I come to you with no authority, but rather to give you the opportunity. Preaching, the preacher comes with no authority, but rather to give, rather gives you the opportunity to sit under the authority of God's Word. James 3.1 tells me that I and any other preacher who stands in this platform behind this lectern and open God's Word with God's people here at Harvest Glasgow, James 3.1 tells me that I, we will give an account for the integrity with which we do that. 
few things weigh on my heart, and if a preacher is doing it right, few things will weigh on their heart more than this task, and how ill-equipped is the best thing I could come up with. Ill-equipped, I often feel to do justice to the words of life that are written in these pages. So when we talk about preaching that takes God at his word, it is because we believe that preaching opens up an opportunity for you to go deeper in believing the promises of God, obeying the instructions of God, resting in the comforts of God, and receiving your heart diagnosis as offered by God. So that's why as a church family, we think preaching is pretty important. We, we build everything we do by this book. The church is called to be built by God's book. You might hear us from time to time talking about a thing called expository preaching, which on a level might sound somewhat painful. Um, but expository preaching is, is really describing the job of the preacher, which is to expose. So expository preaching, you might think of it, expose the, the meaning and exp- by explaining and applying God's word in such a way as, it, as a means of exposing the reality of our lives. It's the the two things. It's exposing the the meaning of God's Word and what it has to say to us in such a way as it exposes the reality of what's going on in your heart and my heart. That's what's happening in preaching. And so we've made the decision, we've made a commitment to go word by word and verse by verse, mainly through the books of the Bible. Obviously, we depart from that from time to time in a series like this. And in some ways, this isn't the best example of what we do, although we are going to dig into these two verses in some detail this morning. But over the course of the years, we've preached most of the New Testament and chunks of the Old Testament, going verse by verse through books of the Bible and covering what we believe in the instruction that we have to preach the whole counsel of God's Word. Um, a couple, a couple of contemporary preachers um, have said this about preaching. John MacArthur said this: "The preacher is not a chef; he's a waiter. God doesn't want you to make the meal; He wants you to deliver it to the table without messing it up. That is all." That's how I feel a lot. Or John Piper says this: "If you're used to a 20-minute, immediately practical, relaxed talk, you won't find that from what I've just described." This is part of an article he wrote on what is expository preaching. I preach twice that long. I do not aim to be immediately, immediately practical, but I'm eternally helpful. And I'm not relaxed. I stand vigilantly on the precipice of eternity, speaking to people who this week could go over the edge whether they are ready or not. I will be called to account for what I said there. That's what I mean by preaching. So what does it mean to take God at his word? What, does that, what do we mean by that? Well, that, that's what Hebrews 4, 12, and 13 point us towards. Look what it says. Let me just read it again. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So here's some things about what, what we mean by when I take God at his word. When I take God at his word, it first of all goes to work on me. It goes to work on me. Do you ever have that experience when you come to church and you feel like, man, I feel like I got worked over by God's word. That's a good thing when that happens. Look what it says. It's living and it's active. It's no dead book that we hold in our hands. It's more than a book. If I'm, if I'm engaging neutrally with God's word, if I'm in, engaging neutrally with the Bible, with this, this book that we hold in our hands, like a novel or a history book, then I'm missing out how necessary and helpful it is to my life. We say, well, how is it helpful? Well, first of all, is how God engages me. 
It's how God engages me. It's, it's living. God's design for his word was, was for it to interact with me and for me to interact with it. It's that we are to have a relationship with this book. It, it, it's, it, it's to speak to me and it, it engages with my life and it, and it allows me to interact with it. It allows me to run to it when I need help. It allows me to, 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 to flee to it when I need comfort. And, and if you look at what God's Word says about God's Word, it speaks in life-giving terms. I'm going to throw some verses up on the screen for you. These are just some of the images that God's Word uses to speak about itself. That God gives us to help us understand the, the depth and the reality and the profundity and the, the benefit that there is in His Word for us. Psalm 119, verse 105, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your Word is that. Your word is the way I see the way ahead. I see the way forward. It allows me to see what's coming ahead. It shines a light on my life. and shows me the way I ought to go. It's a lamp. Second of all, it's a, it's a mirror. Love this picture. James 1, 23 to 25. If anyone, is a, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and, he, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. It's an amazing picture. Hands up if you look at yourself in the mirror. No, maybe not. Hands up if you look at yourself in the mirror, and, and I wish you could forget what you looked like. Okay, I, I sometimes feel like that. And sometimes that's the effect that God's Word has on us as it convicts us of sin, and, and it helps us to see the spiritual reality that we're living. It's a mirror. It shows us for who we are. Blemishes and all. Or how about Matthew 7, 24? Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So it's a lamp to help us see, what, see the way we ought to go. The mirror to help us see what our life is like. It's a foundation to see what our, that, uh, that we can confidently build our lives upon. And we can confidently build our lives with. It's a, it's a foundation. It's a thing that holds us up and keeps us together and stops us from crumbling. That's what God's Word is designed to be in your life. It's a lamp, it's a mirror, it's a foundation. It's, well, Matthew 4, verse 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So what that's saying is, is you've read this important, but God's word is vital. If you think, if you're ready for your next meal, I'm a little bit jet lagged just now. We had a great time away in Florida last week. I've seen your pastor and wife's retreat and our with the other pastors and wives from our family of churches. But my body clock's all messed up and I'm probably, I'm going to feel my stomach rumbling for breakfast, although I've had breakfast halfway through, the, because jet lag messes you up. Halfway through this sermon, I'm going to be messed up. And, and so bread is important. But this is saying it's even more important. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's the thing that feeds our soul. It's designed to feed your soul. That's what it's meant to do. Not just to read it like a, like, well, let's, put, let's swat up in some Bible trivia or let's read the nice Bible stories. It's not that. It's meant to be soul nourishment for you. 
You're meant to be starving for it and longing for it. If you understand what this is, if you understand what it's designed to do in your life, then there should be a longing to be in that and a hunger for it and a desire for it. So we believe that the book that we hold in our hands, the book that we preach from, is, our, is, is God's means of engaging our hearts with His. It's designed to produce transformation more than it is to provide information. It's designed to give, to give life, not just to give some moral lessons. The goal of preaching is not Bible trivia, but heart transformation. If you, and and, and it's, we, we preach with the understanding that if we truly want to live, if you truly want to live then truly living is living by God's Word. This is how God engages me. It is, second of all, how God affects change in me. It's living and it's active. This is telling us that God's Word is not, not passive. It's on the front foot all the time in your life. It seeks to be on the front. God, God seeks to be on the front foot with His Word all the time, trying to engage you and, and affect change in you. It's seeking to create faith and faithfulness to God. And God, God has decided that this is how He will direct us. And so, so we know over the course of over the history of our church, when we've talked about preaching in the, in the life of our church, in the history of our church family here at Harvest Glasgow, there have been two things we've common, we commonly say when it comes to preaching God's Word. The first was what we, we used to call it, it was one of our pillars, which is before we had these, we had four pillars, and this is how we described the preaching pillar. We preach the authority of God's Word without apology. So we preach that. So again, going back to that, that theme of authority, the authority doesn't come with the preacher. The, the messenger is nothing. The message is everything. The, we preach, the, the authority isn't with the person standing in the platform. It's in the book that is being read from and how God designs to use that by His Spirit. So that's where the authority comes from. And when God says something, we dare not apologize for it. Who are we to apologize for anything that God's Word would say? We preach the authority of God's word without apology. And the second thing is, we, is that we believe that God has something transforming to say to you every time you open this book. We believe that. We believe that every time you open this book, when we do that together as a church family, then there's something that happens in our community of change. There's something that happens each for each individual sitting in the seat. We believe his design this morning is to change something in your life and in our life together. But not just here. It's not this amazing thing about God's Word. Its impact is not restricted to when we get together like this. God's desire and design is to change you as you spend time in God's Word in your home. Which means you should really want to spend time with God, in God's Word in your home or wherever you are, spending time with God's, in God's Word every day so that, again, there would be that desire to be in His presence, to be fed by Him and to be changed by Him to have it fulfill its purpose, have God's Word fulfill its purposes in your life. So we, we preach the authority of God's Word without apology. We believe God is something transforming to say to you every time you open this book. Heart change happens when the authority of God's Word is received with humility. When we come, and, and that's why it's an amazing thing to be able to come off the back of singing some of the worship songs we've been able to sing this morning, where it's, there's that, there's that hum, hopefully that humbling effect as we consider how amazing Jesus is. And we come to, come to His Word now and we say, you're amazing, Jesus. Make me more like you. 
Create a character in me more like Jesus. Create behavior in me more like Jesus. Make me more holy. Make me more godly. Heart change happens when the authority of God's word is received with humility. His goal is to use his word and the people who he has called to be his own in the process of making, him like, making them like his son in preparation for them receiving his promise. His goal is to use his word and the people who he has called to be his own in the process of making them like his son in preparation for them receiving his promise. In verse 11, if you look back at verse 11 in, in chapter 4 with me for a moment, Look what it says. It says, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one, may, no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. He's talking about the disobedience of the Israelites in the desert and in, 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 in Exodus as they went wandering and they drifted from God and they hardened their hearts against God. So verse, verse 11 there tells us why this change is so important. Responsiveness to God's word is a proven ground of his promises to us. readiness to respond reveals the reality of our rescue from sin. If you have been changed by grace, then you long to be further changed by God's Word. God's Word presents us with a promised rest for us to be passionately consumed by for the rest of our lives. It protects us from a proud heart which would push back against God's purifying work as He prepares us for what He has promised us. We need to make no mistake, and hopefully this morning is going to be a helpful reminder that God's Word is a gift. God's Word is a gift. It it guides you and grounds you and is a means of grace to you. So love it and invest your time in it. Listen to what Thomas Guthrie, the, the great Puritan, wrote. He said this of the Bible. The Bible is an armory of heavenly weapons, a laboratory of infallible medicines, a mine of exhaustless wealth, as a guidebook, a guidebook for every road, a chart for every sea, a medicine for every malady, and a balm for every wound. Rob us of our Bible, and our sky has lost its sun. That is the value we, we get to have of God's Word, because that is that valuable to us. So this church was established on the premise that every single one of us need God's word, need, need God's word to go to work on us. Every day, as we said, and as a church every Sunday. That's why at the very beginning, the very first passage I ever stood and preached in front of Harvest Glasgow was from Isaiah 55, and it finishes, towards the end, it has these verses, verses 10 and 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word always wins. It shall succeed. So when I take God at his word, it goes to work on me. That's a good thing. And it also sees through me. And you might not think that's a good thing, but now I get to tell you why that is a good thing. It sees through me. It's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. That's what it says next. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It sees through us. God's design is that it would, it would show us for who we are. And it's a reality. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. That means it's got two sharp edges. That means it's really sharp. I say sharp enough in that sentence. 
He can cut, can cut up and down in any which way with great precision. So it's not a blunt instrument. The Bible is not a blunt instrument, okay? It's not designed to be a blunt instrument. Okay, I'm not going to look for any volunteers to demonstrate this. Okay, it's not a blunt instrument. But it's accurate and surgical in its precision. It's incisive in opening and revealing. It opens you up. That's what it's saying. That's what God's Word is telling you. God's Word designs to open you up and show you for who you are, to reveal the reality of what's going on inside you. And we should note what it says here. Look, look what it's dividing. Soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. There's a soul and a mind and a body piece to all of this. It's, it's, not, just, it's not just specifically targeted in one particular area of your life. It covers everything. It deals with everything. It's capable of, and has capacity for engaging you in every single part of who you are. Soul, mind, body. God's Word intends to show the reality of the condition of my soul the reality of what I'm doing with my body and what, the reality of what's going on in my mind. The kind of things that we wouldn't want anybody else to see, right? Or just me. When you, what you encounter in God's Word, when you read it for real and when it's truly preached as something that offers a diagnosis of your spiritual state, God isn't just interested in what you do, but also the heart and the attitude and the motivation behind it. The way you conduct yourself, what's going on in your heart as you execute the, the life that he's given you. This verse explains how you might hear things in this. This verse also serves to explain how you might hear things in, this, in a sermon that would freak you out because it was as if the preachers lived in your house all week or seen in your heart that day. I've had that experience for sure. I don't know if any of you have had that experience before, but it's freaky. How did you know? It's like you're in our house. It was like you're in our living room. It's like, where's the cameras? This explains why that would be the case. It's God's Word cuts through and reveals and opens up and shows the reality of our hearts and bodies and minds. God's design in His Word, God's design for His Word is to use it to carve you open to the core of who you are in order to make you the new creation He has called you to be. So, so the picture here is of dividing things that seem indivisible. That's the picture, okay? How can, you, how can you separate those things? Is that even possible? Yes, it is for God's Word. He can open up even the most difficult-to-reach places. He divide, it's dividing things that seem indivisible in order to make His grace and His reign in your life indisputable. That is the goal. He divides indivisible things in order to make His reign in your life indisputable. So he sees through me, which involves cutting through any pretense. He's, he's cut it, he cuts through any pretense. God has made it so his word, his word deals with us on a soul level, at the very deepest part of who we are. hope you understand that. This isn't just about creating some external illusion of phony, fake, or temporary righteousness. It's something deeper that God is seeking to do as he... Well, this is how we picture Michael. Can I borrow you for a minute? I, I know I'm, there's no headlock this week, I promise. Okay? And this is the picture. It's like, it's like, this is what we believe happens. 
it's a picture of what we believe happens when, when we're preaching. It's, that somebody, it's like taking God's Word and pressing it into the heart of who we are. It's pressing it deep into, into the very heart of who we are, the, the very soul that we are, the, the, the life that we're living. It's the, the clear engagement. We want to press God's Word into people's hearts. That's what preaching is. Thanks, Michael. Let's give him a round of applause. Uh, for, I pick on him a lot, so he deserves it. Um, he makes his word deal with us on a soul level. He, God, God, by his spirit, designs to press his word into your heart every time you open it. That's why we believe that he has something transforming to say every time you open these pages. So he cuts through any pretense. It pierces past the prideful pretense that I'm prone to put up. There's no make-believe with God. You can try. You can try but there's no make-believe with God. He is not fooled. You cannot con him. You cannot pretend with him. There's a reminder here that pretense is pointless. It is foolishness to believe you can fool God. He sees you at a soul level. He, He sees you. He sees you in your deepest parts. He knows your darkest things. He understands your innermost workings. So every sin and every struggle and every sadness is seen by him and shows up when examined by his word. You can try and stifle it if you want to, but that won't last for long and it won't really achieve much of it in any eternal sense. It might make you feel better or it might, it might allow you to feel as if you can hide for a little bit longer, but in the longer term, in the eternal sense, it's futile. Preaching is designed to remind us that there is grace when we stop pretending with God. It should always invite us to get real and cling tightly to Jesus. And we need to cling tightly to Jesus. You need to cling tightly to Jesus. If you're not clinging tightly to Jesus today, would be the best day to start. So it cuts through any pretense that his word is piercing my hard heart. The great plea of Hebrews 4 comes just a few verses earlier again in verse 7. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. If you, that's why I say today is a great day. If you're, not, if you're not clinging to Jesus just now, today is a, the best day to start. Today, if you hear his voice, today, if you hear his, him speaking, today, if you hear his word, do not harden your hearts. There are few more hazardous, hazardous places to be than, than having a heart that's hardened to God. It's a failure to pay attention to his word, a refusal to receive his rescue, a persistent turning away, to Jesus, uh, turning away from Jesus. Are those things that are typical of your approach to God? A failure to pay attention to his word, a refusal to receive his rescue, a persistent turning away from Jesus and turning back towards sin. Are those, are those things... There are patterns in your life. Is, there, do you, is, your, life, is there, your life pattern one of a stubborn rejection of His grace when it's designing to change sinful patterns in your life? Are you stubbornly reluctant and resistant to that? This is telling us you can't pretend. And God's design is to pierce through those hard things in your life to, to bring you to a place of brokenness and sorrow for your sin in order that He can build you up and, and save you. His word pierces to the vision of joint and of marrow. If it can penetrate bone, then it can get right to the heart of who you are and what you are living for. 
So if bone represents the physical component of how we use our bodies and the way that sin is often manifest in the things we do and how we live, then we're desperately, I am desperately, I am desperately in need of a spiritual diagnosis from the only one who can ultimately and eternally deliver me from things that spiritually damage me. And the same is true for you. We are desperately in need of, you are, I am desperately in need of a spiritual diagnosis from the only one who can ultimately, ultimately and eternally deliver us from the things that spiritually damage us. And so preaching is designed to remind us that there is grace when we replace our hardness towards God with a humility that surrenders to God. It should always seek to intervene in our rebellion and usher us towards repentance. So it cuts through any pretense that pierces my hard heart. Final thing, final thing in this little part of, in terms of the work of God in our lives is he sees through us, is, is revealing my true intentions. Here's one thing our kids have learned over the last little while. If I'm asking to see what sweets you are eating, it's because I intend to eat your sweets. That's the reality. What sweets are you eating? It's not because I want to check on their confectionery choice. It's because I would like to feast on their confectionery choice. That's the reality. Those are my true intentions. God's word is able to, to so open us up, to see through us that we are able to, that, that, that is able to discern the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Again, this speaks to the pretense and the hardness that can often be present in our lives. There's no, God can't be fooled. God can't be mocked in that way. He knows what you're doing, and he knows why you're doing it. He knows your motivation. Someone, someone once said that the sermon isn't being able to tell the difference between right and wrong, but right and almost right, and we so need that. So when it says here, discern, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, so God wants to keep us on a path of righteousness, not almost righteousness or fake righteousness. We often balk at the word judge here, which is the idea of making a judgment and discerning for fear of the accusation of being judgmental. God, but God's word, what we need to see here is that God's word doesn't create a competition or comparison between you and the person beside you. Take a little look at the person sitting next to you just now. There's not, you're not in a competition with that person, okay? Your point of comparison is not with that person. It does, however, provide a comparison between you and Jesus. And that's the only comparison that matters. Because it reveals how much you need Jesus to die in your place and to be in him, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. That's a comparison. And the comparison between us and Jesus, the, the gap in our righteousness that we need to be filled by Jesus and, and helped with by Jesus is measured by his word. It's with the goal that you would go to him for the help you need and increasingly be like him in the life that you live and the way you understand the gap and the help is in his word. Which is why, again, it's such an important book for us. It sees between, pierces to, to see, to, to be able to discern the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It tells us that God sees your imagination and has read your intentions. And already, that's the freaky thing that we were talking about earlier on. God sees your imagination. He reads your intentions 
He knows both what you're thinking and the attitude that you are taking as you are thinking it and in everything else you do. Neither your pondering nor your purposes are obscured from God's view. And His Word shows us, and God's Word shows us that if we would only pay attention to it. The word discern, the, the, the original Greek word for discern is kritikos. You know, see where that comes from and where we might be going. Okay, this idea of critiquing or being critical of, there's certainly that, that idea that God's Word gives us a holy, no-holds-barred critique of things that lie at the core of who we are and can only be seen by Him. And ourselves, if we're honest enough to admit them. God's Word always has your heart as its target. God's Word always has your heart as its target. That's the goal. That's its target. When we preach, it's not for behavior modification or some moral improvements. It's so that God's Word would do its surgical searching work in the shadowiest places in your heart. That's what we want to happen when we gather together around about God's Word on a Sunday morning. We don't want it to just be, that was a nice message. I used to go to the door at churches. I don't do that anymore deliberately because you shake hands and people say, that was very nice today, son. I was younger then. And... People would, people would say, that was nice. I'd say, well, I was preaching about hell. Really? And it was just people, we want to be able to be able to search. God's Word to search us and know us. God's Word has your heart as its target. It's not some superficial thing. It's a surgical thing. What, what is it? Somebody said it's not cosmetic surgery. It's heart surgery we need. Preaching is designed to remind us that there is grace for those who learn to agree about themselves with God so they can help, so they can get the help they need from God. God's Word encourages us to see what God, God has to say about us and what, what God sees in us and, and get the help that we need to grow in the things that are to do with godliness. And we need those things. We need God to see through us. We need God to, to, to search us. We need God to be at work in us. We need to, God's Word to go, go to work on us. You say, well, why, why do we need that? Because I need, God's word in, because, I, because I need God's Word in preaching to do its work as it prepares me. That's the final thing. It goes to work on me. It sees through me. It prepares me. Verse 13, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Just think about this for a little moment. What was one of the first things that Adam and Eve did after they, after they went and they, they disobeyed God and they ate the fruit that God had told them not to in the, in the Garden of Eden? What was it, one of the first things that they did? They tried to clothe themselves and they tried to hide themselves really interesting when we look at this. Let's look at this together. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Hidden and poorly clothed is what's pictured here. Hidden and poorly clothed is what's pictured here. That's what we see here. They try to hide from God. They try to dress up. They try to dress up and cover up, cover themselves up before God. Do you see how much we long for our sin to exist in secrecy? But God in His grace seeks us out and searches us. It is a mercy from God, mercy from God when He frees us from settling in and settling with secret sin. Uncomfortable as, as it may be, 
it is then a good thing for my eternal soul that I can't hide from what God sees. You can't hide from what God sees. Know the extent of his view. No creature. No. Zero creatures. And the NIV says all creation, but actually it's a more specific to the, to, it's, it's about the, it's a more individual and specific word that is used here, a specific sense that's used here. No creature, so you can cover your ears or try and imagine it is not true in your mind, but he knows everything. God knows everything about every part of you, including those things you're hiding from everyone else. And he wants to help. He wants to help you. No creature, including you, including you, no creature is hidden. So you may think you can tiptoe through life unnoticed or that your seeming insignificance makes you invisible. This is telling you that you need to get that idea out of your head. And preaching is designed to pinpoint where you need God's grace. Preaching is a means of God searching you and knowing you, seeking you, and showing you who you are and why you need Him so desperately. This is saying you are the opposite of hidden. You know, you're playing hide and seek, you're playing hide and seek, and you run out of time and you basically try and hide behind a lamp. Okay, that's what you're like. The person walks into the room and says, that's the worst part, hiding place ever. Or you stand in the middle of the living room with a blanket hidden over your head and think you're, you're that's, that's how ridiculous it is. You would think you were hidden before God or hidden from God. Rather than being hidden from God, Satan, rather than that, you're in, this is saying you're in full view. Floodlight on, standing there, on your own. It's not just, the word for sight isn't you're roughly in his eye line. Like he kind of sees you from a distance, slightly blurry. It's not that. The picture, is, is the, the picture rather is that the entirety of your life is lived out in front of him as if you're the only one in the stage. That's what this is talking about. So that tendency we have to listen to a sermon and nudge the, per- and nudge the person or think the bit about the person across the room from us, not nudge the person next to us, that'd be a long arm, <laughs> nudge the person next to us or, or think about the person across, oh, I, wish they, I hope they're listening, I really hope they're tuning into that. That tendency we have, this removes the possibility of that because God isn't, God is interested in you, he's interested in them too. Okay, he's interested in them, but he's interested in you. And he has something transforming to say to you at that moment. And he wants us to thought the authority of his word to rest on, rest over you in that moment as, you, as we spend time in his word. It isn't just that he can see you, it's that he's looking right at you. Your life is lived in front of him. So you're, you're, you're not hidden from his sight. Rather, next word, you are naked. Ah! Your soul is laid bare before God. Your heart is exposed to his word searching you, literally poorly clothed, as we said. No clothes can cover it. However hard you try to dress up your sin, it can always be seen. It can always be seen. There's, that, that's only a t- and, and let me tell you, that, that's only a terrifying thing if you don't want it. That's only a terrifying thing if you don't want it. It's an entirely thrilling thing when you see how much you need it and so welcome it. God, I need you to search me, know me. I need you to look into my soul. I need you to change my heart. 
The folks who have been most fruitful in our church over the last 10 years have been those who long for God's word to search them and know them. They see the mercy of being made to be utterly exposed to God's sight by God's word. So stop hiding from God. Surrender to God. I can't hide from what God sees and, and more than that, I can't ignore what God says. We're all naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Why can't we ignore what God says? Why? Because he's the one to whom we must, might, know, must, will, eternal certainty. No question whatsoever that this is going to happen. You must, you will give account for your life. As sure as there is no way of hiding from what God sees, there is no way to avoid this eternal reality. You're, you're going to get, you are, you are, I am, we are going to give an account to God for the lives that we live. God has given you his word today so you will have a better and eternal word to speak to, God, to him then as he's changing you and transforming you and causing you to cling closer to Jesus. The job of the preacher is to prepare you for that day. That's the job of the preacher is to get you ready. It's what Piper said in the quote earlier on. You're standing in the precipice of eternity. You could go over at any point and we want to make sure you're ready for this. Preaching is designed to diagnose how deep your sin is and how defenseless before a holy God that makes you. It's designed to drive you towards Jesus who can help you. Deepen your love for Jesus who has saved you as you see that your only defense in your accounting for your life is that Jesus acted on your behalf by dying on a cross to make atonement for your sin. That's the only defense you will have. That's the only account that is worth anything before God on that day. Your only defense in your accounting for your life will, will be the only right defense and only true defense and only helpful defense in your accounting for your life will be has, to, be able to, act, to be able to say that Jesus acted on my behalf by dying on a cross to make atonement for my sin. Today's the best day to cling to Jesus if you haven't already done that. So we want to be a church that where we preach in such a way as takes God at his word. So the goal of preaching, as I close the goal, I'm going to ask the band to come up, the goal of preaching that takes God at his word is soul-stirring, comfort-bringing, sin-confronting, Jesus-exalting, gospel-investing, heart-changing, holiness-creating, eternity-altering, biblical preaching, that treasures God's word and ultimately transforms lives like yours and mine's for all eternity. Let me pray. Father, we're thankful to you for your word. We're thankful for the work that it seeks to do in our lives. You're so gracious to allow us to be changed by it, to be diagnosed by it, to be helped by it. And we see here how much we need your help we're so aware, help us this, this morning to be so aware of our weakness and so, um, and so increase our desperation and our longing to be in your word because we long to be closer to you. And we long for our lives to better reflect your son. So Father, we pray you would help us in these things. Help us as a church to value this and to, to as we talk about, to be a foundational priority that uh, your word would truly be the foundation of this church. Father, we long for that to be the case. 
And we long for the fruit that you promised to come from that, from Isaiah 55. We long for that fruit. We long for a rejoicing that will last to eternity as a result of that. We long to be a people who cling closely to Jesus and see more and more people clinging closely to Jesus because he has saved them. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.